Hi, my name is Katie Malone. And I'm Brendan, the husband. And you're listening to The Little Flock, the podcast that offers practical insights about living a counterculture of goodness, truth and beauty in a world of increasingly hostile secularism and indifference. So, if you're looking to learn from two imperfect followers of Christ about how to live like the wheat amongst the darnel, this is definitely the podcast for you. Hi everybody, welcome along to another episode of The Little Flock. It's great to be here. It is indeed great to be here, isn't it, Katie? Um, we are now closing in on the end of the year though. Absolutely, bearing towards the end. I can't believe, I, like honestly, I can't believe 2023 is almost over. Yeah. We've got what? Uh, Don't count. Six, You're not allowed months. to count. Oh, it's, mental, it's mental, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, what that means is we, we are counting down to with the little flock. We're at the the end of another season, shall we say. So we've got um, an awesome interview for you today. We're going to be uh, a little bit different in this episode. It's not the usual Q&A type format and goodness, truth and beauty. We're just going to spend the whole time um, with this interview that we recorded earlier with a guy called Andy Mullins. Um, you'll hear a bit about him and his background as we start the interview, so I won't introduce him too much now, but it's all about parenting with virtue and parenting with faith. Really, really, it was great, eh? It was, it was good, yep. Good we've chat. literally just got off the chat. So. It'd be nice for everybody to um, listen to other people talk yeah not yeah us. not just us <laughs> so so that's what we're gonna do today and our next episode we've got another interview um with an awesome lady also from australia called uh, nikki lysart and um we're going to be talking about how to have those awkward conversations mm-hmm. with your kids so uh, that'll be fun it i'm sure be. yep we we, we, well, yeah, I imagine it will, right? Because you got to have them sooner or later. Um, and then uh, it'll be that'll be our last episode for the year. And I think we might even in the next episode, maybe uh, depending on how long the interview is with Nikki, we might even maybe uh, add just a little bit of Christmassy type content, maybe. Yeah. Relevant conversation <laughs> about that. And so the next two episodes they're a little bit different in format than what we've had. Next year there's going to be some changes, so um, it's exciting. It is actually really exciting, and I'm not going to say too much about it now. But basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be a brand new platform, and all of our content will be in one location, including the little flock. And so there's going to be we're hoping if we can to do a few more interviews next year as well, as well as those you know answering your questions. If you want some people that aren't Australian. You need to recommend them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let us know. And and one of the things I've been thinking about, Katie, actually, is just the ordinary wisdom of like ordinary normies who have been oh, there and normies. done that. Yeah, okay. You know, they might not have written a book, they might not have a blog, they might not be known, mm. but they have raised their family and they've done it with such you know goodness and virtue that you can look mm. at it and say, yeah, that person has got something to offer because. You know, their Absolutely. actions prove that that yeah. is the case. So well, next year, um, we'll, we'll try and get a few more interview, interviews as well, but, uh. Importantly, the podcast will all it'll, it's going to be part of a new platform. Now, I'm not going to say any more at this stage. Mm-hmm. Build gonna, the suspense. I know they build a bit of suspense, mm-hmm. give the crowd what Create they want. Some mystique. You know, give the crowd what they want, Maximus. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to build a little bit of mystique on this one. Um, but to be fair, we're also planning and we want to make sure we get this just right. But it's it's exciting, it's really, really exciting. It's basically a community that you can be part of that will have both free and subscriber only content, so paid content and formation content as well. So you can actually um, grow and nurture yourself and faith and different topics and stuff. So it's it's an all-in-one place. So I'm not going to say any more. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. my lips are sealed. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is if you want to actually help contribute to the ministry work that we are doing, and that includes 
supporting this particular new platform, which is really going to be about helping to um, forge and nurture uh, goodness, truth, and beauty, an authentic Christian community, and and to really nurture that cultural goodness, truth, and beauty in, in people's lives, uh, then please consider becoming a supporter of LifeNet. And you can do that by going to our website, lifenet.org.nz, and you will see there is a donate button there. You can become a regular AP donor, uh, or you can make a one-off contribution. You might think, hey, this platform idea sounds really great. I would like to make a one-off contribution um, just for that purpose. You can do that. So even if you're already a donor, you can do that as well. Um, But the advantage is if you're from New Zealand and you do that, Uh, you can actually claim it back on your tax at the end of the year. So make sure you use your name and donation in the uh, details when you do that. Uh, Again, that's lifenet.org.nz. And don't forget your questions too. If you've Mm. got questions you want us to answer on future episodes, or like Katie said, the peoples that you know who would be good to interview. (laughs) My people, my people. I think also if you've got any, uh, there might be some people with specific Challenging conversation questions that might be good to, yeah, that's to true. throw in there. Yeah, yeah. so that's if you do good. have those, that's a good point. Yeah, because we're fi- we're filming. We'd like some case studies, please. Yeah, you're very good because <laughs> we will be. I was going to say filming. We're recording that interview in a couple of weeks' time with Nikki, and so uh, yeah, go to the contact form. You'll see the contact form if you go to lifenet.org.nz. You cannot miss it. Ask your questions <laughs> for the little flock, and uh, use that as well if you want to. Um, maybe ask questions around conflict and you mm-hmm. know. Uh, having those difficult conversations with your kids, yeah. maybe specific stuff, mm. let us know and we'll we'll raise that with Nikki as well. So that's a good point. That's why Thanks. you are the, the brains and the beauty why I'm here. behind this operation. But yeah, it's exciting. We're going to let you know more about next year when it develops. It is exciting though. I'm, I'm excited. You're pumped. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but in the meantime, let's have a listen to this uh, really awesome and uh, how would you describe it, Katie? I was going to say very fruitful. Very deep. It was deep. Yeah. It's quite a fulfilling conversation, wasn't yeah. it? It was one of those ones you're like, yeah, that was really enjoyable. So hopefully you enjoyed as much as we did. Righty, Andy, thank you so much for being with us here on this episode of The Little Flock to have what we think is actually quite an important conversation. And we were both very privileged to hear you in our neck of the woods uh, earlier this year, speaking about these topics of, well, we're going to talk a bit about parenting with virtue and faith in the family home. But before we start any of that, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, your 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 curriculum vitae, you know, what it is you're bringing to the table, Andy? Good on you, Brendan, Katie. Good to be here. Um, so I've, I come out of a teaching background. Um, for many years, I was involved in what were called the Parents for Education schools in Sydney, and I was running two of those schools. Um, those schools put a lot of emphasis on working with parents and a lot of emphasis on character education, particularly virtue-based character education. And so that gave me a lot of it. And we had a mentoring program as well, which meant that I was working very closely with individual couples um, and and also training other teachers to do so. It was a great privilege, really, because you get insights into so many families and so many of the challenges, I suppose, that are across the board. Um, the background to that probably is that the, the, the inspiration behind the schools was a Catholic priest by the name of, he's now canonized, St. Jose Maria Escriva. Mm. And he encouraged parents to take full responsibility for the education of their kids and, and to set up schools that would allow them to do that in, in, a very, in very practical ways like mentoring and one-on-one conversations with the teachers and so on. So that, that's the type of school that I've been involved in. Um, now down here in Melbourne, because I moved to Melbourne 10 years ago, I'm running a small 
um, university project, a little residence for uni students. I do some teaching. I teach formation of character at the University of Notre Dame in Sydney, so I fly up to do that. And um, and I've got a couple of books out recently as well. So besides Parenting for Character, which came out maybe 15 years ago in its, in its original version, um, and that was very much a summary of the type of work we were doing with parents in the schools in Sydney. I now have a book out called Parenting for Faith, which has got some beautiful stories in it, and it's focused from a, from a Catholic perspective about the parenting side of passing on our faith to children. So how do you pass on a love for prayer, a love for sacraments, that sort of idea in your family. Yeah. And I've also just, just in the process of coming out now as a workbook that goes with parenting for, for character. So lots of case studies and um, points for discussion between parents and in groups of parents about, about the challenge of raising children with strong character. That's um, awesome. And, and those, those resources, we'll talk more at the end too about how people can track those down because it's such a, an important work. I guess it must be very uh, rewarding work working with parents in that space. Oh, big time. Absolutely. It's a privilege because in the end, you would, you would feel that if you're working with parents in, in, in a mentoring role of their children, um, you're the one who's getting the most out of it. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's quite striking, really, that, um, you know, one of the sort of core principles I suppose I like, like to keep coming back to is that, you know, human beings, you know, by, by Christian anthropology are fulfilled with in love and truth. And, um, mm. and it's so important, therefore, that that we find ways to get out of ourselves mm. and to be to be working closely and mentoring young people is just a privilege. I mean, it gets you out of yourself. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well said. Um, when you came to our neck of the woods earlier this year, one of the talks you gave was uh, Parenting with Virtue. That was the big sort of promo. What does that phrase mean to you? If you could sum that up, what, what, what does that mean? Because I guess you could throw around a phrase like that and, and be very trite about it all. Good. But, but Good. what does it mean? Good. Uh, it means being proactive about building strengths that your children will need in their character, that type of idea. So mm. think of the, what's the toolbox that you want to give your kids um, mm. so that they can cope in life? Um, and, the, the, and, and the tools in that toolbox are, are, are habits in their character, which they can then um, use to negotiate all the challenges of life. One of the beautiful things about virtue, the, the development of virtue, is that it's flexible. It's not just how to respond in a very particular situation, but it, it gives you the internal strengths to manage yourself and to think clearly so that whatever life throws at you, you can handle it. That sort of idea. I find the phrase parenting with virtue very interesting because I think it puts the onus on the parent to have the virtue first. And often I think in today's society, the kids are expected to have the virtue and the good behaviour without being led. So what, what would be your advice for a family to start that journey of parenting with virtue? Yeah, um, start before you get married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. It's really interesting. You know, I'm, I'm used to teaching children doing their last years of schooling, you know, and you can't learn to do well in your end of year exams at the end of schooling if you just start at the beginning of year 12, you know. You've got to, it's, it's, a, it's a long project where you've developed habits yeah. of how to work hard and focus your attention and so on. But in, in parenting, it's a bit the same, I suppose, isn't it? It's, mm. it's that you can't give what you haven't got. Um, we have to be good to do good. 
those sorts mm. of ideas. They're, they're, in a sense, they're trite throwaway sayings, but there's a lot of truth, there's timeless truth in those because they come from the ancient Greeks originally. And, and, and they'd talk about the habitus too, wouldn't they? Just exactly what you're saying. You don't right. become good at virtue once. It's a it's yeah. a habit that you become better that's at right. by practice. And that's the beauty of it, that it's a facility to act in certain ways. And And let's talk about the... Let's talk at a natural level first or the moral virtue level of the four cardinal virtues. Mm. Um, two of those virtues are about managing our emotional life. Mm. Um, like every good psychology text that you come across talks still about how pain and pleasure are sort of primary motivators in a person's life. And and to, man- to manage pleasure is crucial. I mean, if we just mm. go wholeheartedly after pleasure whenever we see it, we're, in a, we're gonna have lots of problems in our lives. The delay of gratification is a really important idea in in character and that's temperance if you like that mm. that that we know how to manage our own desire for pleasure second yeah. we have to know how to manage our own aversions because if we just avoid everything that's difficult we also won't achieve very much in life mm. um, and we'll make a lot of mistakes um, just the very love of comfort you know can get in the way of a person uh, excelling if you like right mm. and then there are two, so that's they're the two virtues. Temperance and fortitude are the two virtues that enable us to manage our uh, emotional responses, if you like. And it's good to hurt, to condition those, to train ourselves or to train children so that they can manage these things. Um, but then on top of that, justice and prudence, um, classically, are always understood about the virtues of the of of our, our, of our intellectual life. Mm-hmm. So. Um, prudence is about being able to live in reality and set the right goals for ourselves, not kid ourselves. Um, and you can see more and more, you know, that I don't know what where New Zealand is at in terms of gender theory and stuff, but, you know, it's amazing how we can convince our things ourselves that things are, are real and it's just not real sometimes, you know. Mm. Um, well, that, that prudence too is important. Right, We hear a lot about um, people talk about humility being so important, but mm. prudence is also about the right ordering of the virtues, isn't it? That's a good point. Yeah, prud- they talk about classically. They talk about prudence as a chariot driver. So you've got yeah. you've got these wild horses in front of you, which are your capacities, your strengths, if you like. But you've got to manage them and set the right goals for yourself. And and justice is very interesting virtue because it cla- I think Aristotle was Aristotle and Plato always touched on it, but they didn't quite get it. I don't think it took mm-hmm. really Christian thinkers like Aquinas to to understand that 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 justice is the virtue of the will that every choice we make every choice we make must take others into account and there's no room therefore for self-indulgence and self-centeredness and mm. and that that's very big i mean I, I think that's a blind spot to be honest in in the way that we're raising kids i mean um we have to raise kids so that they're selfless and they will be very happy if if we can help them to do that because then they will be able to love so in a sense, really, um, and you'd be very familiar with this in your study and being a man of the world of education, it's really uh, the, 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 the influence of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the Enlightenment thinker, is huge in our age, right? And this is this blank slate idea that really we're having to say, no, that's not correct. Children are not wiser because they have less societal corruption, quote-unquote, on them. They, ha- they, are, they are born with that same struggle that we all have, towards concupiscence, our, our fallen sinful nature, and we have to actually work hard to to uh, overcome, to train towards virtue, right? It's fascinating, isn't it? Think mm. about think about um, what we understand by what we understand by original sin. Aquinas explained that original sin, and, and and obviously this is a topic over the over the centuries, which has been much discussed and you know many mistakes have been made, I suppose, but 
probably one of the final words in Catholic thinking on original sin came from Aquinas, where he talked about original original sin as a privation of grace mm. and of virtue. Mm. So in other words, um, Adam and Eve f- um, lost this close union with God that they had grace, and it's a privation of virtue. They They originally had dominion over their passions, and their sin was a sin of pride. Mm. But but um, but they lost that dominion over their passions, um, and what that means what that means is the whole task of education is to regain grace and virtue. Mm. Mm. That's the a great whole point. Task. Great point. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So when we talk about um, parenting with virtue and trying to build those virtues in our kids, and this is something like I keep coming back in my mind to this example of our son Nathaniel. He's just turned eleven today, and we've been trying to get him to make his bed in the morning. Like literally, this, yeah. like he's shocking. Already. He hates mornings. He hates having to decide what to eat for breakfast. He'll lie on the floor for 10 minutes while he's thinking about it. <laughs> so get him to make his bed on top of all that <laughs> and brush your teeth and get dressed for school. But the one thing we've been really nailing is his bed making. And we gave him the day off today because it was his birthday. Lovely. <laughs> so I've just gone and made it for him. But We should have we should have brought him into the studio as he did today. Honestly, we could have, we could have done a little, a little video of him like refusing to make the bed. It takes 10 minutes longer to refuse to make the bed than it does to just make the bed. Yeah. But um, how important is it to role model these things to our children? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's Even really something as simple as making the bed. That's know? a good point. It's funny, you know, we talk about example of, of parents and, mm. and clearly, you know, example of whatever, example of alcohol consumption, you know, on a gross level or example of of managing one's passions or so on, you know, anger and things like that. Clearly that plays out in the lives of kids big time and, and wreaks havoc, you know. Mm. But one of the things that that I like to keep coming back to is not just uh, what the example of what we do, but but emotional example. Mm. The, the the emotions that we're manifesting, these these colour the life of the family and they colour the lives of your kids. Mm. And sorry, this is this may seem very distantly related to making beds. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, perfect. <laughs> But but it's really really important stuff because mm. if whenever there's a chore to be done, um, that um, the response of, of 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 the parents or the kids in the house is to pull a long face and come on God guys let's just get this stuff mm. out of the way so we can have some fun you know well that's not a very good message about chores you know mm. um, so somehow we've got to we've got to sh- we've got to show with we've got to show with our faces and we've got to show with our whole demeanor that. First of all, that our life is oriented to others. We do things for others. Mm. We don't do things for ourselves. Mm. So, Brendan, you can buy into this and you can you can whisper in your little guy's ear, oh, this will really please mum. And that yeah. will help her. That will help him a lot, but it will also help him realise that the most important reason to do anything is out of love for others. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure Hitler made his bed, but it didn't make him a better person, you know. Yeah, yeah great point. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> it's yeah, a real, but obviously we want to make our beds, but yeah. the problem is that we want to do it for the right reason. Yeah. And, um, so and let me expand on that a little bit. Um, how do kids get any sort of sense of value of what's important in life? Mm. Um, really, the faces of their mums and dads, the faces of their teachers, if their faces light up, about something, then the kid thinks this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I want that wonder. I want that joy. Mm-hmm. And if parents are, you know, very very serious and sad about something because of something they hear on the news in 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 Palestine or something, then then of course um, 
the kids are going to get the message, oh, gee, this is serious, you know. Um, so our faces actually are teaching kids really important lessons about what's important in life. And, and that's a massive motivator. It's not just what we do. It's the face with which we do things is important. It's, it's interesting you made that point about um, uh, living for others and that's called a self-giving love being the essential motivator because yeah. I think there is a tendency probably to, to, to take a very stoic do-your-duty type approach, but yeah. duty should always be at the service of a greater, a higher good, Absolutely. right? And, yeah. and so often I've said to my son, why do we do this? I said, well, in this man's army, this is what we do. But, <laughs> but it is, it's more than that's essential. I, I heard a, a great story yesterday of someone who said, Whenever anybody asked her dad how was he doing, he always says, well, um, it's dependent on how those who are closest and most important to him are doing. So in other words, his, uh, his self-giving to them is how you measure how are they doing. That's a measure of how he's doing. And, and, and it's, a, it's, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's quite an important insight though, right? Because otherwise it just becomes dry, um, sort of reductionist, do your duty, and the love aspect is fundamentally yeah. essential. It's missing. Yeah, yeah, I like that very much. Tell me, how do you navigate then? Because I, I'm sure this must be an issue for for people in marriages. You have different parental styles, even the male female dynamic. We take mm -hmm. we bring a different dynamic to the world. Uh, maybe different backgrounds or different preferences about how you would like to raise children. How do you navigate this so that it actually works? How do you find it, the golden mean <laughs> in this area? Okay, lovely question. Mm -hmm. um, um, the first, the first point that I make in Parenting for Character is about unity between mum and dad. Mm. And, and really that's not, you know, that's not my original thinking. All good books on, on parenting come back to this idea that children need really consistent messages. Mm. And so um, the unity between mum and dad starts with the, their mutual affection in the end. And mm. obviously sometimes you have difficult situations where mum and dad are not united or they're separated even, right? But... Um, still in everything related to the kids, they have to be giving consistent messages. That's really mm -hmm. crucial. Um, mm -hmm. they, have to, they have to overcome any difficulties they have between themselves on personal issues so that they can be united for the child in everything related to mm -hmm. his or her upbringing. Um, but that, that brings some very funny situations. For example, um, you might have heard me tell this story. One of the fantastic guys that was on my staff some years ago was... Um, was a very forthright character. He had a big family, and and um, kids and kids and other people always knew where they stood with him. But his son is is in the passenger seat in the car going home with dad after school, and the boy says to his dad, "Dad, it's it's Valentine's Day. Aren't you aren't you going to stop and get mum some flowers?" <laughs> and and dad says, "I don't believe in all that commercial nonsense." And then the boy says to his dad, and the dad had the humility to say this the next day in the staff room, right? But the boy then says to his dad, Dad, it's not what you believe in, it's what mum likes. Oh, a great insight. And he stopped, he got the flowers, he, he brought them home, they had a fantastic night, and he had the humility to talk about the next day. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, I mean, in the end, you just got to keep working on 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 living for your spouse, you know, I mean, that's yeah. crucial. And the kids, that's the biggest lesson in love that kids get, you yeah. know, I mean, John, Pope John Paul, St. John Paul talked about that all the time, that, 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 um, you know, the, the lesson in love of God, it comes from the love between parents and the love that parents have for their kids. Well, that was what the, the he wrote the jeweler shop play all about, right? Those, those two yeah. different couples yeah. two, and their children yeah. and how that yeah. plays out in their lives. 
Yeah. So, so what you're saying then is it's not a – we often look for a technique in the modern age, a technocratic solution to mm-hmm. our parenting. But you're saying, again, it's it's that um, love the other and then the answers start to flow out of that, that, you know, that maybe the differences start to resolve. Yeah, and this probably sounds a bit woolly. So how do we get to a situation where, there, mm-hmm. where our lives are uh, more and more based on love for others? Well, there's practical mm-hmm. things we can do. You know, we can um, – practical things like, for example um, – uh, do you remember? You remember that beautiful scene in 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 the book of Deuteronomy, I think it is, where Moses is talking to um, the 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 chosen people in front of him. He's got a big assembly. They're still outside the chosen land, the promised land, and he says, "Listen, you've got to love God with everything you've got, yeah. with your whole heart and soul." And in other words, we just our life has to be love. Yeah. And then he says, and What's some practical ways that you do this? He said, you've got to, you've got to talk about this around the dinner table. You've got to put it on your walls. You've got to mm. wear it on your clothing. You've got to put it on your forehead. You've got to talk to your kids about it. You must not forget. So the first thing is memory, that we never forget that this is, this is our calling. Our mm. calling is to love. But then he says, when you're in the land of milk and honey, you'll be promised to forget. You know, you, sorry, you'll, be, you'll, you'll easily forget this mm. because mm. there'll be so many, so many distractions around you. And, and, you know, it's probably fair to say that, that New Zealand is the land of milk and honey, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's too easy to forget that we've got to love with everything we've got and we get self-indulgent, we get selfish, mm. and, and in the end we forget to love. Um, mm. So the first, the first thing I think is to be convinced that this is really important. Mm. And then um, the second thing is to see that this is, this is not just good human common sense, but it's also God's plan for us, that it's really important that we take this to our prayer and we pray about it and we think, how can I love other people better? And we get very practical suggestions mm-hmm. coming into our heads that we try to put into practice with resolutions. I mean, it, it sounds a little bit pious, but you, you're right. You have to tie it down to very practical action. Mm. We had a bit of a rough night at our house last night because one of the smoke alarms decided to... <laughs> To oh, have a, f- a fun time at 4.30 the in the morning. The highest point on the room. And the yeah. highest smoke alarm in the house. Twice. And so I came running down at 4.30 and turned it off with a broom standing on the coffee table. <laughs> went back to bed. <laughs> Brenna said, are you sure there's no smoke? I was like, no, there's no smoke. Yeah. And then it went off again half an hour later and I said, look, we're going to have to. Out we, comes the ladder into the We're going to have to get up and, <laughs> and take this thing down. And I thought to myself yeah. as I was trying to get back to sleep at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to tell my girls, when you're discerning marriage, Ask yourself, would this man get up for me at 5 a.m. and remove a smoke alarm? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because that's what it boils down to, right? The, the things that's that you right. don't want to do and the daily in and out of, of family life. It's not about, like the grand gestures are all well and good, but it's it's about the hidden life, cooking, the hidden, hidden cooking life dinner of every night, yeah, no, washing yeah. the same dish 300 yeah. times. I mean, Kimberly yeah. Hahn talks about folding the same T-shirt that all seven of her kids have worn and, and having this real negative, oh, I'm so sick of folding this T-shirt, but then actually turning that into a prayer of, thank you, Lord, for this T-shirt. This lasted through Very seven nice. children. Very and, nice. and that we have money to buy our children clothes and that we have children to clothe, you know, but yeah. actually reframing. Yeah. The, because that, it does wear you down. Yeah. That, that family life can be quite wearying, yeah. and I know I've and got it, some friends struggling with that. It's immensely taxing, isn't it? The yeah. first few years of a little child's life. Oh, is so even even with the big kids, like um, yeah. we don't quite have a driver, a kid driver in the house yet, so we're still doing all the chauffeuring, you know, and it, it yeah. can be quite tiring. Yeah. So well, well think, that's where yeah. grace is important. What you're saying yeah. about prayer, right, yes, Andy? That's that right. that you and I've I've long believed this and experienced this in my own life. Sure, you you can love to a certain point in the natural, 
But there's a point at which love takes some sort of supernatural grace that people or situations are just so difficult. That's a really good point, Bryn. We've got four girls and one boy, and we've talked about Nathaniel and his bed making, and (laughs) we could probably get into the girls for quite a while as well. Do you think we need different strategies for girls and boys, or can you sort of parent them the same and hope for the best? It's a good point. I I mean, in general, sort of the rule of thumb in in schooling is that boys need more structure. Mm. Um, I think the... I think the blind spot often for boys too is that we need to be talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure I'm talking to the converted here, but you have to, you have to be close to your kids so that you talk trustingly and simply to your kids, and your kids talk trustingly and simply to you. And mm-hmm. and when they're teenagers, that's going to be a game breaker. Yeah, um, it's just ludicrous, isn't it? The kids are so, can be posting stuff on social media that that their parents don't know about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how can how can you talk to strangers in a way that's more confiding than you do to your own parents? And yet, yeah. if if children are not opening their hearts to their parents, then then parents are not in the game. Yeah, and that means you can't educate children in virtue because virtue is about training kids' responses when they're tiny, mm-hmm. and educating their mind when they're tiny, but particularly when they're older, because you can't be training a teenager; it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Um, so, so part of that is trust, I guess. Then, is it, Andy? That they've, 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 your role modelling gives them a sense I can trust this person. Yeah, it's you're right. It's it's that you that you're completely available for them. That that um, I mean, there's a lot of good wisdom out there about you know that you got to talk to kids at the time that suits them and stuff like that. But but in the end, mm. whatever it takes, you got to be in the game. I mean, I've seen beautiful stories from parents who've who've you know, completely change their lives in a sense so that they can get into the lives of their kids and share the lives of their kids is probably a better way of putting it, you know. One teacher said to me, no, you've got to do things with your kids that, that you both enjoy. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. Um, um, it's not just a matter of having occasional big talks with a child. That that won't work. You have to have regular chats. I'll give, yeah. you, a, give you a funny, this is a really nice example. Um, yeah. One of the families that left a massive impression on me when I was at a school called Wallamai in Sydney, in the west of Sydney, um, this was a family that was universally admired. They had boys in five classes, four classes, sorry. And um, and the kids were almost clones of each other and clones of the dad. I mean, they were, dad was a, a big man, very gently spoken, but immensely respected by everybody. Very generous guy. And the boys were the captains in their classes and really good soccer players and um, tough as nails in terms of cross-country running and stuff like that and um, worked hard. And the dad told me once, oh, you know, when my boy was in year seven, the oldest one, he did something that left me a bit disappointed. So I started talking to him and and he wouldn't have raised his voice, but he would have talked to him seriously saying, look, I, I don't really like this. And he said, I was so proud of my boy because he had tears in his eyes. Yeah. And then he said the next day, the same behavior came back. And he said to himself, this is not my boy's problem. My boy has a good heart. He's shown me that. It's my problem. I have to give my son more support. Yeah, so awesome. from that point onwards, he would have a chat each week with his son, and he did this with each of his kids, um, and he would help that child have a goal for the week. Awesome. And then that would be that child's goal. And then he did that consistently over the years, and we saw the product six years later. It was just awesome. Mm. So to help children have a goal for themselves because you've been so, such a good weekly support in chat and I wanted to bounce ideas off them and so on, you know. It's it's gold. 
that, that, that that's quite beautiful, right? Because the tendency is we sort of say, uh, why don't you get it? You know, yeah. why aren't you improving? You know, yeah. I've told you 20 times, what's wrong yeah. with you? That tends to yeah. be the, the go-to instinct yeah. as a parent, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, we can be very impatient with others, but very patient with ourselves. Very <laughs> 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 oh, Brilliant. What, what happens then when we, because um, it, it will be inevitable, I guess, we stuff up as parents. We, we make a bit of a meal of things and, uh, and we recognise maybe where we've overreacted or we've a lack of virtue that's become exposed to our own children. It might not that's even be directed point. at them. Yeah. What, what, what yeah. do we do? It's pro- first thing is probably to think, well, what are we trying to teach to a young mm. person? Are we trying to teach that success is always being perfect? Mm. And that's unrealistic. Uh, in fact, you know, I mean, um, think of the... Think of, think of the parable of the prodigal son and and the boy does all this dumb stuff, right? Mm. Like as boys do, he did all this dumb stuff and comes back, um, says he's sorry, says he, look, I'm not really worthy to be here. And the result is not just that he gets a hug and he gets, you know, gets gets dinner, but mm-hmm. he he's closer to his dad than when he started. Mm. Yeah. And and this is consistent teaching of the Catholic Church that that when we come back to God repentant, then we're actually closer to God than when we started. That's mm. I mean that's that's crazy thinking, but that's the reality. And and so we have to help kids understand that that when they stuff up, that that they come back, they get a hug and say sorry, and we're closer than ever. I'm yeah. not disappointed in you, and I don't hold this over you. We're mm. actually closer than ever. Um, because that's the way God operates. And who's telling us that story? It's Jesus talking about the Father, mm. and and nobody knows God the Father like Jesus. So mm. it's sort of, it's I, I just find that very moving. That whole idea that that mm. that we all make so many mistakes, and yet afterwards, as long as we say sorry, we're closer than when mm. we started. Yeah, well, there is a I, I've heard other parenting experts talk about this idea of rupture and repair, mm. and how after a rupture, as long as there is a repair. There is yeah the same principle. It's stronger having like been through the rupture. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I guess the question is, well, I guess the important thing is, yeah, back to virtue. If you're a parent and you make a, a mess of things, humility becomes essential in that yeah. moment, right? It's really true, and it's a life skill, isn't it, to be able to say yeah. sorry, and yeah. to be able to accept forgiveness, yeah. um, and to give forgiveness is is a life skill, and relationships going to depend on it. But what would you advise parents then who may be if they discover there is vice in the family home. And so maybe it's something that has been hidden that's been revealed or maybe they discover, I don't know, um, something that's been going on at school with one of the kids sure, or a sure. bullying between kids that they didn't yeah. know about in the family. What yeah. what, 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 they, what should yeah. they do? Um, we had a really great visit years and years ago into the schools in Sydney by a gentleman who had 16 children. His name <laughs> wow. was Raphael Pick. Yeah, awesome. He's now passed away, but he was like everybody's grandfather. He was just marvellous <laughs> and um and believe it or not, his son ended up as the chaplain of the school in, in later years. But Raphael always used to say, he was so positive, but he would all, and, and he was a very successful businessman. So I know, I'm sure he had, a, he had a way of pushing things along, right? Yeah. But he, he would always say that when there's a crisis, be happy because now you can see the problem. Awesome. And that problem was always there, but it was hidden. But now that now that it's come to the surface, mm. now you can deal with it. Yeah, and every every problem can be sorted. Mm. That's really important. Um, but but 
if it stays under the surface, you can't deal with it. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very positive way of looking at challenges, you know. So don't panic first off the bat. Yeah, now we can see that th- mm. we not only can we see that there is a problem, but we can start to come to grips with that problem to get a solution. Mm. Yeah. Is there, is there a next step, do you think, that's kind of essential? Because obviously it depends what the problem is to what strategy you would apply. Yeah, that's right. But um, but is there, a, okay, you're, not, you're now in a situation where something's been revealed, you're not panicking, do you need to give yourself a bit of space? Do you need to, what, what do you do as a parent? The more we can t- turn issues into teaching opportunities for kids, the better. Mm. Um, I'll give you a tough example. It's a real example that was told to me by one of my ex-students. Yeah. Um, he said that um, he was already 19. Um, and he came home and he was very, 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 very morose because of something that happened and he, was, he wasn't talking at the dinner table and his sisters were there and his mum was there and his dad was there and this went on night after night. And finally his mum blurted out, what is the matter with you? You're acting like you've made a girl pregnant. And he oh. said, mum, I have. Wow. Mm. Yep. And then the, the sister screamed and left the table. Mum burst into tears and left the table. And he's left there with his father. And, I mean, we've got a crisis here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't and, get much more crisis yeah, than that. <laughs> and, and there's a big pause. Mm. And, and, and I know Dad, Dad's a big man, um, the very, very kind-hearted man, but also, you know, forthright. And then he just says to his son, what are you going to do? Mm. Just asks him the question. And then they have, and the way the boy talks to me about it, he says, we had a wonderful conversation and, and I'm so grateful to my father for that. And we, 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 you know, we created a, we had a plan, um, which he took responsibility for. And now, you know, 10 years later or 12 years later, I've met his daughter. She's a wonderful girl. Mm. She's a really wonderful girl. Mm. And he's on very good terms with the mother of the child, even though they haven't married. Mm. And, um. And and they and they're doing their very best to raise this child. I mean, it's quite striking, you know, how mm. how our parents parents poise at the right moment makes all the difference. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, that could have very easily ended very very disastrously. That's right, including In something like sense. abortion, for That's example. Right. You know, That's and, right. and it's that 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 first initial couple of moments are, are probably the That's gold. Right. That's mm. right. Mm. Yeah. Another from from the sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> Another friend of mine. He's got a big young family. And, he, and when he comes to the front door at night after a heavy day at work, he says the first 10 seconds are crucial. Awesome. Because all the kids run to the front door to greet him when he comes. And if he's not present for them, if he's thinking of something else when he comes in or he pushes past them or is a bit perfunctory, he said that time won't come back. You've got mm. to grab the moment. Wow. That's right. They won't be running to the door to greet you forever, will they? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. So if you had to narrow it down, and I realise all the virtues are very important, but are there ones that you would prioritise for family life? Oh, lovely point. Yeah, I think think of justice and charity. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's just talk for a second about, before I answer this, please, Kate, um, let's talk about how the, the faith, hope and charity fit in with the cardinal virtues, because I think that's quite important. Awesome. Um, um, if we talk about prudence as, as being able to make objectively good choices in in a field of reality, if you like, right? Mm. Um, having a good conscience and whatever. What's faith? How does faith inform prudence? Because faith shows us the complete reality. Mm. 
faith shows us who we are in relation to God, in, in relation to our Creator. It shows us that we have a loving Father. It shows us that that Jesus has given all this for us and what are we doing in return sort of stuff, right? So this is so faith gives us the complete reality and helps us make make our choices within that field of enhanced reality, if you like. Mm. Um, it's not just beliefs, it's reality. I think that's a really important distinction. And um, And what's charity? Well, Aquinas talks about charity also as the virtue of the will. So every choice, and it, once a person is in grace, is baptised and and we're children of God, and this gets a bit theological, sorry, but once <laughs> once, um, um, once God is within our soul, we're living in Christ, um, we can be other Christs. We have to act the way that Christ would act. We have to lend ourselves to Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And that means every action, every action can be performed with love of God, mm. with charity. So just as, just as the ancient Romans could perform every action with, with justice, we have to perform every action not just with justice but with charity, mm. with the very love of God. Um, um, it's, you know, obviously that's a high bar, but if that makes any sense, that's, that's, where mm. we, that's, what we're trying to, that's what we're trying to aim for. In the time we've got left, we want to talk also a little bit about nurturing faith in the family home. Yeah. Um, are there one or two things that you think are, are maybe most essential, like that families should be doing in this regard? Because I know it's becoming a pressing concern for people that there's a, a very militant, uh, a hostile uh, secular culture now, aggressively mm. anti-Christian, you'd say, in a mm. lot of ways. And I think a lot of Christian families really feel the weight of that, the burden of that. Yeah. And they struggle to know, well, what do we do? So we're not overbearing, but we are doing what is essential to try yeah. and give that and transmit that yeah. calling and give good, to our yeah, kids. Yeah, good point. A few things in my head. First thing mm. is freedom. Mm. Um, um, and this really comes from St. Hazemaria, but he would insist the importance of, of um, raising young people to use their freedom, mm. that, we don't, that we're raising them not for compliance, but for their own convictions, if you like. Yeah. And, um, and so that means... The only way we can get there is 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 very much sharing from the heart and talking with deep trust, sharing in mm. trust about what's important in our lives. Um, you know, you often, you know, you obviously it's sometimes it's a you know terribly difficult challenge for parents when they've got a teenager who doesn't want to practice and go to church with the family or whatever, right? Mm. Um, but the, ideally, we want to try and. Um, head those things off before they become issues by being so close to kids in their childhood and in their years before. And and that comes to the issue of how important are sacraments in the life of the family, I think. The book Parenting for Faith is is about passing on a love for sacraments, first of all. Um, and I mean, for a Catholic, and and I realise not all of our listeners are Catholic, but for a Catholic, you know, we have, we have the capacity there to go and get in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, mm. We have the capacity to go and... Um, humble ourselves before the priest in confession, mm. and um, and and those things we believe that the sacraments are channels of grace. They're like fire hoses of grace compared to anything that we can generate ourselves. Mm. And um, so we have to, if we raise kids in a climate where sacraments have been so important for mum and dad, not mum and dad battering the kids, but for mum and dad themselves, mm. then it'll make a big difference. Um, can I tell you a funny story? Of course you can. Always. That uh, <laughs> confession. Uh, I have. <laughs> I have a friend in Sydney who's, who's very forthright and told this story in a group of his friends. So I'm not telling private stories. <laughs> but um, but he's, he said he, he's a guy who's, um, 
he says what he thinks and he's and he's shouting at a client who's led him down on a building on a building site and he's using very appropriate building site language <laughs> like, like um, language his son has never heard and suddenly he looks down he's in his room and he's, he's he's in his office at home and he looks down and his boy is standing next to him his boy's 10 years old and the boy is aghast he's just looking at his father thinking where did you get that language <laughs> and then the boy turns on his heel and he walks out and and dad feels a bit bad but the next day or the next weekend they're at they're at church and and the boy is standing next to his dad again at the back of the church and it's a maronite church and there's confessions during mass and the boy says to his dad daddy you're going to confession <laughs> and dad says to his boy do you think i need to <laughs> and the boy just shakes his head yes indeed <laughs> and then and then the boy says to his dad, Dad, I'll go with you if it helps. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that crazy. And, uh, I mean, but he raised his son to talk to him like that. Yeah. And um, and he had the humility himself afterwards to tell his friends about it, very proud of his son. Yeah. Um, but clearly we, we want to raise kids with a love for the sacraments and a yeah. love for the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, they talk about St. Teresa of Lisieux every afternoon after school, her dad would take her for a walk and they would visit the local church to make yeah. a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, you know. Um, um, there's, no, there's no substitute for this. If, mm. if we don't raise kids to love the sacraments, then what are they going to love? You know, they're yeah. going to fill that void with a lot of other things, you know. Um, one thing we're starting to discover too in our family home is the importance of um, of that nurturing that love of scripture as well and that understanding yeah, of it. Time. You know, I, I, I realized now I learned a lot yeah. because of the environment my family was in and I grew up with other families of faith, yeah. but yeah. we can't just assume our kids are going to know yeah. all this. You've got to actually actively. Yeah. You know. um, a mate down here in Melbourne just told me the other night, the other day we had a sort of men's group gathering and, um, and he said, ah, oh, you know, one of the things we've been doing is in my home we have a holy hour. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's pretty heavy for little kids, right? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, what do you do in your holy hour? And he says, oh, no, we say some prayers, like they say the rosary. And then he says, each of my children has a Bible. Yeah. And, they, and I said, go and get your Bibles and go and get your markers. And I suppose they're children's Bibles because they're kids, probably the oldest 12, I think. Yeah. And, they go off and he says, now, we're going to read this passage together. So they read this passage together. And then he says, now, get your marker and just think for a few minutes and underline the sentence or two that you like the most. Awesome. In their own, so they've all got their own personally marked up Bible. Yeah. And then they come back together and then the kids explain why they've marked that passage. Isn't yeah. that gold? That, that it's so simple but so good. Yeah. yeah it's, and then it, they work their way through Scripture. It's so practical too. Yeah. You yeah. don't need to be a theologian to, to that's do right. that. No. That's right. And you're, you're engaging the kids' hearts and heads. It's very beautiful. Mm. That's mm. awesome. That's great. Any impediments that you would say that would <clears throat> stop a family from nurturing faith in the home? Like things to be aware of? I think the biggest thing is leading from the front, you know. And, and I mean, oh, can I, I'll tell you a New Zealand story. To <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't have to finish now. But um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in Mount Monganui. I was mm. in Tauranga doing some doing some seminars on parenting and and um and you probably know the landscape there but there's this beautiful headland and and i was staying at the base of the of the headland and i walked i figured i got to go up to the top of this before <laughs> yeah. I leave here. got so, to walk the mount so i walked the mount right so mm -hmm. i got up there at dawn 
Mm. It was a bit pagan, but I got up there at dawn to see the sun come up, you know. <laughs> it, just, it was so beautiful. And then I'm sitting on a rock on top of Mount Monganui, mm. and I've got this guy standing behind me with his boy. And he says, <clears throat> excuse me, you're sitting on my prayer rock. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a very funny conversation. I jumped up. It was all sort of very mock serious. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And he says, no, you know, I'm the Baptist pastor awesome. from Tauranga down there. And he pointed down to the town and he said, there's a lot of pain down there mm. in my people, but I come up here three mornings a week to pray over them. Awesome. And it's a good thing that our God has big ears. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> but what's the lesson? The lesson is gold, isn't it? That that when you've got it, when God's given us a responsibility for somebody or yeah. some people or our families, He's listening to our prayers. Yeah, mm. the prayers of a parent are just, you know, in the end, they're the game breaker. Yeah, that's that's such a beautiful insight. Just to finish with, um, I know, like for example, we're about to head into Advent. And I, I can't help but think, as as you were speaking earlier on, about the, the interplay between faith and virtue. And you talk about how Christianity just really levels things up to a whole nother level and brings yeah. completion and fullness of truth yeah. into this arena. And it seems to me, too, that there's this great resource, if you want to call it that, in the annual liturgical calendar, because so mm. many of the um, these feasts or seasons allow us to highlight certain virtues, like t- talking to your kids about the story of Joseph, for example, and Mary, there's there's great virtue in that. And yeah. they're very specific to different seasons, right? So it seems yeah. like a great opportunity yeah. here. It's a beautiful point. You're quite right. And we have to grab it, don't we? Um, mm. And we're, the, the the more we're, we're living this in our own life of prayer, the better. Because mm. then we'll have something to offer. Um, with the uni students here at, in Melbourne at the moment, we're running a, a, a series called Advent Apologetics, where we're looking mm. specifically at Jesus, God and man. And... Um, and what's the evidence? What's the case, if you like? And then what are the prophecies? What are the miracles? And what were the early church fathers saying about Jesus Christ? That sort of idea. But again, it's it's a, it's trying to take advantage of the season, as you say. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Awesome. So there's a great opportunity there. We shouldn't uh, let it go begging. And may New Zealand knock over India in the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we, we were actually speaking of um, virtue the other night. As soon as we, we heard the news about Maxwell's 201, my, oh, my son and I finished up all of our chores at the end of the dinner table and immediately watched the highlights of that 201. So, <laughs> well done. So, <laughs> so uh, you mentioned a couple of books that you've written. Would you like to tell our listeners how they can get their hands on those? Thank you very much. So mm-hmm. the... the the one that's come out in a couple of editions is Parenting for Character, mm. and that's put out now by Veritatis uh, Parisia Media, Veritatis in Sydney, and um, no, Paris, sorry, Parisia Media, and then um, a book called Parenting for Faith, which came out last year in the States by a publisher called Scepter, um, which these are both available online, and then coming out now will be another book called Parenting for Character Applied, which is a large format workback workbook, sorry, for parents, which I think, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but I think it's going to get some good traction because I'm hearing people don't have these sorts of resources that will mm. help them sit down over a cup of coffee or a wine and talk about their family. And so that, that would take a more practical look at the... It's a very yeah. practical book about how, how do you foster virtue in the life of kids and yeah. and how do you look at your own emotional example and you know, all sorts of issues. There's case studies, there's questionnaires, there's tick lists, there's all sorts of things. Awesome. That sounds like a great resource. Andy, uh, thank you so much. 
It's been a privilege, absolute privilege and a pleasure. And see you guys, I hope, soon. I, yeah. I'd love to get back. Well, the, the door's always open. We don't, we don't often. <laughs> you know, we, we might compete in sport, but the door is always open. <laughs> Lovely. Hey, good to talk to you. Bless you, Andy. See you, Andy. Ciao, Bye-bye. All righty, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode. It was great to have you here with us. I hope you found that conversation with Andy uh, both enlightening and enjoyable. Hopefully it's given you lots to think about. Yeah. I mean, it, for us, it was really – and I love his anecdotes, hey? Yeah. Yeah, he's got some funny stories. <laughs> he's Yeah, we've heard him speak publicly and he's got lots of stories and yeah. some amazing ones that we didn't hear today. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just absolutely amazing stuff. And so, um, yeah, great guy. And the books, please make sure you, you check out those books if you're mm-hmm. looking for a really good resource to, to really help you grow in your um, family journey and your parenting you know, skills and stuff like that. Absolutely highly recommended. Um, Katie, do you want to say anything else before we wrap this bad boy up? No, all good. Uh, I would say uh, I, I will be the man of more words then. Will you? The lady I feel of few like words. You've used all the words. <laughs> oh, 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 I don't know. I'll just remove that little shovel digging away at my ribs <laughs> there. Um, so uh, what I'll say is this: don't forget that awesome new platform coming next year. Please, if you want to um, uh, have some sort of a question or conversation point that you'd like us to raise with Nikki when we talk with her, use the um, question form on our website at lifenet.org.nz. If you've got a question in general for a future episode, doesn't have to be about uh, difficult conversations. It could be about anything at all. Please put it on that question form and we'll answer it in our upcoming episodes uh, in the year ahead. And don't forget, We really, really value your support of our ministry work. We can't do this work without your support and we can't grow this ministry like we want to in in the years ahead uh, without your support. So please consider becoming a donor uh, and you can do that at lifenet.org.nz. Just go to the website, click on the donate button and everything's all there. I think that's us. All the admin's done. I've done all the talky-talky. You have. Now we can do all the the things. Bye 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 bye. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't figure out how to say that. So uh, so yeah, thanks again, folks. Yeah, it's all getting awkward, and it's like uh, he's talking. He's still talking. Still talking. Stop talking now. Yeah, now is the time to start talking. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that, I guess we'll say uh, goodbye. See you later. See you in the next episode. The Little Flock is a joint production of the LifeNet Charitable Trust and LeftFoot Media. If you enjoyed this show, then please help us to ensure that more of this great content keeps getting made by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Thanks for listening. See you next time on The Little Flock. The Little Flock.